love reading in my Bible. I just really, there's, it's so different than, than how I grew up with the Bible and it's, it's just a neat thing. It's just amazing. It's amazing that he loves us so much um, that he's given us a book that um, he can speak to us through, um, that he does want to talk to us, and it comes alive. I've heard that all of my life that the Bible comes alive, and it's different at different times that you um, read it, and it's true. This is the first time that I've recognized that it's true. He'll give me a specific uh, passage sometimes. Sometimes he'll give me chapters of a certain book, and once I start reading, I understand why he's giving that to me. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'll read it and later that day or later that week or month, I think, oh, this is what you're telling me in advance for what I was going to face. God is so good, right? It's not like he's trying to figure it out on your own. He really gives, or he has given me, um, like those moments where I know that I'm hearing his voice because it's, it's proven. But yet there's other times where he's like, have the faith, have the faith. And so I do, and I keep speaking out those words or those messages because, um, because I know that he is uh, truth. You know, he's faithful to what he gives me. I am disciplined in um, wanting to hear from him, reading my Bible, um, prayer, and seeking him but he's answered every time. And so I don't know why I wouldn't do it. And so it's not a job. It's not like I need to, I need to schedule out some time um, so, so I can check it off. It's really, I love it. So church, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. You've been invited up, up to be in the very presence of God. And when you do that, you lift him up and you praise him. You confess up and tell all the things that are going wrong in your life. And the next thing that we do when we're up there is we eat up. We eat up. Look at Isaiah 55, 2 with me. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, God says, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you eat food? Okay, good, good. A vast majority of you. For those who didn't raise your hand, I'm not sure what you eat. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Stephen ministers are still available for prayer in the back. Um, so we all eat food, but how many of us enjoy eating food? I mean, how many of us are like foodies? We love you. Okay, come on. I'm talking about dreaming about food, right? Like drooling like a dog over food. I'm talking about staring longingly at certain foods or holding certain meals as if they're like a precious child that needs to be like cared for and loved and caressed. Like, yes. Nobody else does that. Okay, that was too far. Too far. But honestly, you give me a huge breakfast burrito smothered in green chili. Man, you give me a pizza pie from Dion's down in Albuquerque. You give me a plate of taquitos from La Salsa. And it's like I'm having a moment with God himself. It's a spiritual experience. It's like, shh. Just mean the taquitos, man. All right, just mean the taquitos. Don't mess this up. Well, even if you don't drool over food, even if you don't dream about food, given the fact that you all eat it, you, you recognize the importance of it, right? We all know that if we don't eat food on a regular basis, we're going to be weak. We're going to be anemic. We're going we're to get cranky. Food, especially healthy food, right? It keeps us going. It helps us to stay alert, to stay awake, to stay upright. 
Food is literally our fuel. And without it, your, your tank is going to run empty, right? Without it, you're going to run empty. Without it, you're going to be lifeless and become rather useless. And what's true for food, for burritos and, and pizza and taquitos, well, it's also true for God's word. See, just as food energizes our bodies, God's word energizes and fuels our spirits, our souls. So we eat physical food to give us energy on the outside, but there is also a type of food that we need to consume and eat to feed us and strengthen us on the inside. That's why God's word and even Jesus himself is compared to food on multiple different occasions. Look at some of these verses with me. First Peter 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you might grow up in your salvation. Jeremiah 3.15. In time, I'm going to give you spiritual shepherds who seek after my own heart. They're going to feed you, not with burritos or taquitos. They're going to feed you with knowledge and true understanding. In John 6.51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, if you believe in me, if you accept me as your Savior, you will live forever. So just as physical food keeps our bodies alive, spiritual food, God's word, keeps our souls alive. It keeps your inner man or inner woman alive. And without the proper amount, without proper nutrition, you're going to grow weak. You're going to grow famished. You're going to be too fragile, too frail to stand up or to stand tall. In fact, that's where I think some of us are this morning or how some of us have maybe felt over the last few weeks or months. Here's why I say that. Let's talk about calories for a minute. Right? I found this great slide. Calories, tiny creatures that live in your closet and sew your clothes a little tighter every night. Well, I don't want to talk about those calories. I want to talk about different calories, the little units of energy that we need, okay? The recommended daily calorie intake here in the U.S., for men, it's 2,700 calories a day. For women, it's 2,200 calories a day. So if you multiply that out per week, 2,700 times 7, that's around 20,000 calories that we as guys, that we need every week. You with me? Not 20,000 little creatures, but 20,000 units of energy. So if you divide that by the number of meals, it's about, I don't know, 700, 800 calories a meal that you need to stay healthy, to stay strong, to stay alive. Let's talk for a second about what happens when you go big over at Chick-fil-A, something I like to do on a regular basis. Based on website calculations, there are 440 calories in the sandwich, 360 in the lemonade, and 400 for the medium waffle flies. Fries, flies. You don't want to eat the flies. Those are bad. So if you eat the Chick-fil-A meal, you're already consuming 1,200 calories. Now, let's be real. You're going to cover that thing in the sauce if you're anybody, right? And you're going to have to order a milkshake of some sort when you go to Chick-fil-A. So you throw in the sauce, another 250, cookies and cream milkshake, another 500. So now we're close to 2,000 calories for one meal. Now, that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? And it is, it is. But I don't want, I don't say this stuff to make you feel bad. In fact, I hope you feel really good right now, because I do when I talk about Chick-fil-A. It's like, I'll see you tomorrow, baby, right? That kind of thing. So 2,000, okay, it's, it's a lot for one meal, but, but what if, what if that one meal, as big as you went, those 2,000 calories, what if that one meal is all you ate for the entire week? What if you believe that 2,000 calories were enough and they're just like 20,000 calories, right? I'm supposed to get 20,000 a week, but I just had 2,000, and I'm sure that's going to be enough to carry me through the entire week. Will it? 
I mean, so those 2,000 calories feel like a lot in that moment, but how do they feel later that day? How do they feel the next day? How do they feel three or four days later? Are you still full at that point? No, probably not. You're probably hungry again, right? Even though you went big over here, it doesn't last you all that long. Think about the big feasts and the big holidays that we celebrate here in the States. Right? We've got Thanksgiving, we've got Christmas, we've got Easter, all these different huge celebrations that typically involve huge meals. And if you're anything like me, after you, after you celebrate a meal like that or celebrate a holiday like that, you're thinking, oh, I am so stuffed. I can't eat for weeks. And then what happens later that afternoon? Like, man, we got anything to eat around here? I'm starving. You go so big in that one meal, but shortly thereafter, you're already hungry again. That's kind of how it works. You burn those calories quickly. So that 2,000, it's not the equivalent of 20,000. I don't care how big you go over here. It's not going to last you all week long. That's exactly what we think when it comes to spiritual food. That's exactly what we assume when it comes to feeding our souls. That's how we treat God's word. See, most Christians come to church on a Sunday morning, and they are starving. Spiritually starving, I, I believe. If you're physically starving, we have a great coffee bar with monthly specials. It'll, it'll take care of you, right? But we come spiritually starving. And we, and we use language like this. We're coming to church and we're looking to be filled up. Isn't that how we describe things at church even now? Like that sermon or that service or that worship, it filled me up. And that's okay. I'm okay using that language. And I hope that this church or other churches you attend or whatever, I hope that they fill you up. So let's say you get a huge spiritual meal, meal here at West Bowles on a particular Sunday. Let's say the pastors are rocking it, the teachers are doing great things, right? Uh, we put together a huge feast for you. The worship really spoke to you. You were prayed for, fellowship time. I mean, you walk out like you got to unbutton your pants spiritually, right? Like, geez, that was huge. I am stuffed. I am so full right now. All right, what's going to happen later this afternoon? Well, you're probably going to get hungry again. What's going to happen tomorrow morning? You're probably going to get hungry again. What about later in the week? You're probably going to get hungry again. Even though you stuffed your face and ate a huge meal here, class, worship, fellowship, prayer, that doesn't mean you're good to go until next Sunday. If, you want, if, you, if you're going to wait to eat again until next week, you're not going to make it till next week. right? Just like it is with physical food, you need constant, consistent nourishment. You need things that are in your body day in and day out, multiple times throughout the day. You need sustenance and nourishment every day, again, sometimes multiple times throughout the day. And that nourishment for your soul, that food that you need to be eating on a regular basis is right here. It's God's word. This is it. This is what will feed your spirit. This is what will nourish your soul. So we go up and we lift up and we fess up and then we eat up. And that language comes out of Ezekiel's story, because that's what Ezekiel was told to do. There's a prophet in the Old Testament named Ezekiel, and his story goes something like this. He, like Moses and Isaiah, other men we've talked about recently, he's invited up to be with the Lord. And so he takes up God up on the invitation, and he goes up, and he gets a glimpse of heaven. He gets a glimpse of God himself. And he's so overwhelmed in that moment that he falls down flat on his face. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't even be here. I can't even look up at you, God. Well, at the end of Ezekiel 2, God, God raises his head and he says, no, 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 I invited you up for a reason, and here it is. Let's read this together. Ezekiel 2, verse 3. He said, son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. Verse 7. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen to you or not. 
or fail to listen to you, right? They are rebellious. For you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Verse 9, then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me, and it was a scroll which unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. Chapter 3, verse 1, then he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you. Eat the scroll. Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, eat the scroll that I'm going to give you. Fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. You see, the words of God, the words that Ezekiel needed to hear in that moment, and the words that he was going to have to share with others in that moment, words that were going to bring life. They were going to be tough words, words of lament and rebuke, but they were still life-giving words. Those words, they were written on a scroll, probably something like this, kind of the equivalent, ancient equivalent of a book. It may have been a little bit wider, a little bit longer, but it was just a piece of paper. And on that scroll were all of these words from God himself. And God tells Ezekiel, he says, I don't want you just to read these words. I don't want you to simply memorize these words. I don't want you to just highlight or circle or study these words. I want you to eat these words. That seems kind of odd, don't you think? That seems kind of strange. Eat these words? That's exactly what he wanted them to do, though. Because God knew that his soul... Ezekiel's soul, Ezekiel's spirit, it would only be fed, it would only be nourished through this. And again, it's not just about reading those words, it's about consuming them, taking them in to you. And, and God wanted to keep Ezekiel alive, not just physically, he wanted to keep him alive spiritually. That's his desire for you as well. God wants to feed your soul. God wants to minister to your spirit. You are famished right now. You are so hungry spiritually. And God says, I have got a great feast prepared for you. Come and eat. It's time to eat. You think that eating that big meal, 2,000 calories at that one point weeks ago was going to get you through all the stuff life has to throw at you? No way. You got to eat on a regular basis. Isn't that what Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4? It's written. And forever remains written, man shall not live by bread alone, but you live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You are fed spiritually when you listen to God's word. So when you go up, I want you to eat up. Take the word and eat it. I did that once. I'm not going to do it again. All right? And this is sugar paper. Don't worry. It was all cool. Anyway. All right. All right. Go ahead. Take his word. And don't just read it, don't just study it, don't just memorize it, consume it. That's what you do when you go up, you eat it up, all right? Here's the thing, though. I'm imagining that as I say that, a lot of us are thinking to ourselves, I just don't know how to do that. I just don't really know what to do when I start to read the Bible. I don't really make it through it real well. I don't really know what, how to make the most of it. So I'm talking about eating the Word and consuming the Word and letting God minister to you through His Word. And you're kind of thinking, yeah, I just have a hard time I just have a hard time with that. All right, you try the whole read the Bible in a year thing only to get to Leviticus and then get totally hung up. You're like, okay, I'll pick that up again next January. You try the whole flip it open randomly thing, but you read something that's totally out of context and that totally scares you. You're like, what? I didn't know that was in there. You try the whole like read different translations or go back to the ancient you know, texts, 
but the, the Hebrew isn't doing it for you, or the these dines and bagats aren't doing it for you. And so you're kind of at a loss. Like, I know, I know I'm supposed to, but, but Ezekiel described this as sweeter than honey on his lips. But most of us would probably describe it as pretty stale or pretty sour. And so what I want to talk about this morning with you as we close is just a couple of different ways to eat the word, to eat this book. A couple of different ways to study the Bible, to make the most out of it, and to have your soul and your spirit nourished and fed through that time. You with me? All right, if not, I guess you could leave, but I hope you don't. All right, anyway, here we go. A couple different resources for you. I, I showed this resource to the first service, and then somebody took it. So anyway, someone's got this great resource available to them. It's Rick Warren's Bible Study Methods. Take my word for it. It's a great book. I would hold it up right here and show you. But it's 12 different ways to study the Bible. It's a resource I've used before, and I love it. If you want to study the Bible topically, like, man, I'm really interested in angels, or I'm really interested in the end times, or whatever it might be, then he will help you and show you how you would study the Bible with that topic in mind. If you want to study the Bible, maybe uh, biographic, like you want to study different people's lives from beginning to end, he'll show you how to walk through that and study that. If you want to read a book from beginning to end, or the Gospels from beginning to end, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, Rick Warren's Bible Study Tools is a great resource, okay? Go pick one of those up. Another resource is one that the youth group knows a lot about. The youth group last year studied Howard, Hen Howard Hendrick's uh, Bible Study Methods. This is... Um, couple different things. It's a three-step process, more or less. It's observation, interpretation, and then application. And so if you're interested in that, just Google search Howard Hendrick, Google search his Bible study methods, and you will get a ton of great reading on what each of those words means and looks like. Youth group, was that pretty powerful? Was that, was that pretty good stuff? Those of you who showed up? Sweet. One person showed up. Awesome. Okay. Well, your life was changed forever. I know it, right? Okay. Well, let me show you another one real fast um, that, that is my personal favorite and one that I use more often than not. It's called the Discovery Bible Study Method. And there's different variations of this, and I've got some um, reading and some, uh, some handouts at the next steps table for you guys if you're really interested in learning more about this. But I want to walk you through what this looks like. I don't need to teach you how to eat. You know how to eat, but here's how to make the most out of your meal. Make sense? Here's how to really savor God's Word. Okay, so you take a piece of paper, just a, a blank sheet of paper, something like this, and you can either fold it uh, half ways, both ways, or you can just draw lines uh, down the middle. I'm going to have it on the screen as I walk you through this, okay? So you have four quadrants now, four different blocks. In the top right block, that first section, you simply entitled it Read. And then in this section, you would take a passage of Scripture, probably nothing longer than two or three verses, and you would read it out loud. I don't care if you're in Starbucks or in your car or wherever you are. I want you to literally read this out loud, all right? Say it a couple different times. Then I want you to write it out word for word in that first quadrant. Word for word, straight from the scripture, exactly what it says. I just want you to write it out. There's something powerful about speaking God's word out and then also writing it down word for word. Now, it could be any passage you want. Maybe it's a passage we've been looking at here together um, as a church. Maybe it's one that we've uh, put up on the screen. This will be available to you online as well. But just pick a passage, two or three verses long, read it out loud, and then write it down in this first right quadrant. You with me? Top left. Sorry. All right. Second section is called retell. In that section up here in the far right quadrant, you're going to retell the passage. Now, you're going to put it into your own words. And I don't want you to think that you need to be all smart and all theological here. Don't like act like you have a master's in ministry or whatever. Just tell it like you would tell a 10-year-old. What is this passage right here, what is, it, what is it really saying to you? How would you say it in your own words? Try not to even use a lot of the same words, but try to use your own words over here. Retell it to a 10-year-old. All right, so first you, you read it, you say it out loud, 
Then you write it down word for word, a couple different translations if you, have, if you have room in there. Then you retell it in your own words. All right, third section, bottom left. In this section, you write out unpack. And in this section, you're just going to simply answer three questions about the passage. One, what does this passage tell me about God? Kind of write down your words, your thoughts. Second, what does this passage tell me about people, about myself? And then third, what does this passage tell me about faith? So I've read it out loud. I've literally written it down word for word. I've written it in my own language over here. And now I'm kind of unpacking it a little bit. Okay, what does this tell me about God, others, and faith? So far, so good? All right, now we go to section number four. In this section, we entitle that Obey. And in that section, you're going to write out two things for me. You're going to write out, number one, what am I going to do about this now? Like, what is this passage calling me to do or to stop doing in my life right now? What's the obedience piece, right? I will or I will not, blank, blank, blank. Then the second piece is, what or who are you going to tell about this? So I will do, blank, I will tell, blank. And you literally write your answers down. Not just hypothetical, kind of pie in the sky stuff. You're writing your stuff down. I am going to do this, and I'm going to tell Sally. You write those things down. It's like a commitment to do those things. You with me? So you read it out loud. You write it down word for word. Then you put it in your own language. You unpack it a little bit. What do I know about God, people, and faith? And then I just talk about what am I going to do as a result, and who am I going to tell about this? That's it. That's the Discovery Bible study. It's pretty straightforward and pretty simple. But I don't want you to fly through those things. Like, I've got two minutes. I've got to do a discovery real fast. No, no, take your time on each one. Take your time. Pray over each step. Really reflect on that stuff. Now, here's a fun little curveball you could do. You take out the last one that you did the next time you sit to study the Bible, and you read over your last one. So if it was last week, if it was yesterday, whatever it was, you take this one out, and you look back over it, and you go straight to the obedience one. And you say, did I actually do those things? Did I actually tell that person? And there are some hardcore Discovery Bible study people out there that will say, you cannot do another one of these until you've done that last quadrant. You cannot move forward with more knowledge until you've lived out your faith in obedience. Now, I'm not that hardcore. I'm like, yeah, I tried. Then I move on to the next one, right? But I really encourage you, as you go through that obedience piece, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you telling people? What's holding you back? Then on the back of this, you can write out some of the obstacles. Like here was the struggle. Here was the thoughts I had. Here was the fears I ran into. Here was the, the hurdles or whatever. And then this becomes your prayer list. Like here's what's really going on in your life in a spiritual sense. The obstacles to living out your faith, that's what you need to be praying about. So I'm a big fan of the Discovery Bible Study. Let me, let me show you and walk you through an example of this in my own life that I did this last week. So the passage I read to you already was on my heart, Isaiah 55.2. Read it out loud. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy you? Listen. Listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. All right, so I said it out loud. Then I'm going to write it down word for word. Okay, so I take some time and I write it out word for word, putting it in my own words. Don't waste your time, Thomas. Don't waste your energy, Thomas. Don't waste your resources, Thomas, consuming things that will not fill you up. You have to listen to God because the only thing that will ever fill you up are his words. And your soul is famished and it's time to eat.
That's my own word. That's, that's what I think Isaiah 55.2 is saying. Okay, next. What does a passage tell me about God? Well, it tells me a couple things about God. It tells me that he speaks. He wouldn't say, listen to me, if he, if he wasn't a God who speaks. So God is speaking right now. It also tells me that he is, is offering me good things. He says, come to my table and eat these things. I've prepared a feast for you. So God is a good God who wants to give good gifts. It tells me that he is the only one who can satisfy my immaterial soul. There's all this material stuff around, food that doesn't satisfy, milk and wine that doesn't satisfy, but he does satisfy. Those things are physical. He is not. And so maybe there's a part of me that's not either that needs to be satisfied by him alone. All right, so what does it tell me about humanity? Well, humanity, including myself, I'm filled up, or I look to be filled up by so many other things. I honestly think that the new this, or the flashier that, or a faster that, or a prettier this will fill me up. I'm just spending crazy amounts of money, crazy amounts of time, crazy amounts of energy looking to other things to satisfy me. And God's like, I'm right here, man. Just listen. Listen to me. What does it tell me about faith? Well, faith is that place where instead of chasing after all of this stuff, I believe that God's words will satisfy me. Instead of all of the new things, expensive things, shiny things, physical things, I believe God can give me life in a way that nothing else can give me life. That's what it means to have faith. So God speaks. God is good. God wants to feed me. I typically feed on everything else. I've got to spend some time with him, though. It's not like a drive through God. Like, hey, God, I need this real fast. Number two, please, with fries and a milkshake. <laughs> Grab that and go. No, no, He's like, sit at my table. Spend time with me. Listen to my words. And stop thinking that everything else will satisfy you. All right, so what does this look like in my life? Well, it looks like setting aside some time to be with the Lord, right? And it looks like coming to terms with the fact that I still believe more money more applause and a bigger church will make me happy. I still believe that. I've got to come to terms with that. It's not true. Those things will not make me happy. They will not satisfy my soul. What will satisfy my soul is simply his words, sitting with him and sharing a meal. So I'm going to stop striving for those things, stop seeking after all those things. I just want to feast on the Lord. That's what I need to do. Who do I need to tell? I need to tell my church. So done. I just did. Half of the obedience piece is over. All right. But you see how that goes, church? It's not, it's not, it's not rocket science, but it's so life-giving. You say the word, you write out the word, you kind of interpret the word, you unpack the word, and then you live out the word. And when you do that, guys, your soul will be fed. You will be nourished. So God's desire for each and every one of us is desires for us to go up. And when you go up, it's so important that you eat up. I don't want you just to come to church on Sunday and expect that this feast or this meal will satisfy you or feed you or sustain you for the entire week. It just won't happen. You're going to be hungry spiritually in about three and a half hours. Where are you going to go? Go to his word. Eat the book and see if your soul and your spirit aren't nourished and alive. Sound good? Let me pray that over you. We'll get you out of here. God, we thank you that you are such a good God and that you know that many of us are famished and hungry spiritually. Some of us maybe never even thought about that before, that we have a spiritual side to us or an immaterial soul, but we do, God. It's who we are, and it's that part of us that will live forever. And yet some of us, God, it is so dehydrated and so hungry right now, it's barely alive. And so we pray that those words in Isaiah 55 too would come alive to us, God, that we would see that we have been consuming so many other things, but it's time for us to consume your words. Your words are life, and we live on them, God. 
And so I pray this week we are super excited to sit at your table and to, and to eat the feast that you've prepared for us, God, in your word. I pray that we have a hunger and a desire to eat more regularly, at least once a day, God. We've got to have at least one meal a day. And so I pray whether it's the Discovery Bible study or a, a book that we're reading, God, or a podcast that we're listening to, that we are spending time in your word. I want us to be alive. God, I want us to come Sundays so alive because there are going to be a lot of people that come into these doors that are dead spiritually, that are so hungry spiritually. And if your people, the ones who know better, God, the ones who know where the feast is, the ones who know where to find the nourishment, if we come in here hungry, we have nothing to offer others. And so we pray that we would come in here so satisfied, so full from a week with you that we'd be able to help others feast and be satisfied in you as well. Please make it so, Father. Bless our time in the word this week. I pray each and every person in this room hears your invitation to go up and that many will take you up on it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you, church, for being here. Have an amazing day today. Uh, don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out so we can bless some families in need tomorrow. Be strong and courageous, church. God bless you.